Welcome to Monday's Experts on this 30th of January and I love this uh, part of the week. It's where we get to find out a little bit about the story behind the name in the racing game and what about to this particular name, a name we're seeing back in our form guides here in New South Wales. It is the great Danny Beasley and what a journey and story he has got and hopefully we can delve into that story in this next half an hour. He joins me on the phone, no doubt from the Riverina. G'day Danny. G'day Dave, how are you mate? Very good mate, good to talk with you. Uh, it's always nice to uh, talk to, to someone with a story like yours and, and do a bit of reflection and I guess um, I want to go right back to the start mate. Um, you Obviously you were born in the Riverina? Yeah that's right, I was born actually, a lot of people think I was born in Wagga but I was actually born at a place called Berrigan. Um, just a few hundred k's away from Wagga and moved over here when I was about three or four years old. I went to school, um, all my primary school in Wagga, and then uh, Dad moved over, Mum and Dad moved over to Corowa. Um, Dad was foreman for a uh, trainer down over there called Richard Freyer, who everyone would know uh, from country racing. And uh, I completed my high school at Corowa before then moving over to Wodonga to start my apprenticeship with Peter Ma. Yeah, you were oh, but doing a bit of reading about you last night, and you sort of you left school um, in grade ten. Um, yeah. But what stage did the the horse get on the radar? So you're obviously going through school, no doubt you're playing sport and doing things and and getting through your grades. But but early on, what's your first memory of the horse? Oh, as far back as I can remember, Dave, I, there was nothing else I was ever going to do or wanted to do. Um, Dad rode, and um, I was from the, as I said, from the time I can remember, I idolised him and idolised uh, just uh, racing was just in my blood right from the start. And I, my early memories of going to to many different race courses and, and cheering him home and and just that's all I ever wanted to do. So uh, school was school just got in the way for uh, 12, uh, 10 or 12 years or whatever it was. But mum and dad, they wanted me to finish year 10 uh, to give me some part of an education before I stepped uh, into the saddle. And so I completed year 10. And, and uh, then as soon as the last day, I, I nearly started my first day at Pete's. What did you love about the horse? Oh, just... I think it's, the animal is what the big attraction is. It, it's you know when when you get bonds with them, they're, they're human like in that like obviously they can't speak but they do speak to you in ways. And I've just forever been in love with the animal, and I love riding. And even when I gave it away for a couple of years the racing, I, I still hardly missed a, a morning track work in that. And I just loved being on the horse. And um, there was a, a, a period in my life where I had a bit of a, a rough rough stage and the horses really got me through it. So from the time I can remember um, of, of being able to be a part of the industry and being, being with horses to different stages of my life, horses have always been there. And so for me, for me I feel forever grateful and forever indebted to the animal to what they have been able to supply, uh, to give to my life. They certainly, it's, it's been a, an incredible journey. Uh, let's start by going way back to, now your first ride, and correct me if I'm wrong, was it at Wodonga? Yeah, that's right, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, and it was a boxing day meeting. Yeah, I had a very quick introduction to rate to race riding. As I said, it was my whole life was racing, but I finished school um, with the uh, December of I think '92, I think it was, and then pretty much by the next December, by the next Boxing Day, I had all I had done all my trials and and uh, had my first ride. And on my first day, I had five rides. So talk about uh, being thrown in the deep end. And yeah. um, those five rides, yeah, they just I, I was just a passenger. Uh, but then I, I, it was like being that time of year, there was races on every day. So I think I went uh, something like my first week was I went rode at Wodonga. And then I reckon the next day was I went up to Tawong, which that's a pretty unique track up there and had a few rides up there. Then I went to Denaliquin on uh i think it was new year's eve and i just got beat on one there i only had one ride and it just got beat and then the next day i went to corowa and that's when i rode my first you know on a horse called power street for a lovely lady called donna mcqueen who trains at wangaratta do you remember the do you remember the race like it was yesterday yeah very much so it's quite funny because uh, my grandfather, my who was my mum's father, he he was a mad race goer, and sadly we lost him only a couple of years after that. But I, that's my distinctive memory of that day, is that um, he was there and he was able to witness it, and I never forget coming back to scale. And I still sort of, it's a funny uh, thing in my life in that I remember my pop from my first winner. Uh, that so that's sort of a bit of a um, a recollection how I how I do remember the day. Yeah. Tell us about uh, you know obviously so you're going through the grades there in the River Rena you you you're obviously showing ability because there's a lot of articles about uh, about you that people have been involved with your story and your old bosses uh, that said you know you, you were wonderfully mannered you were hard working and you were going in the right direction. When did you make the move to Sydney, and and what was the catalyst for making the move to Sydney? Yeah, well, it was. I had a bit of a funny run in that I had uh, a good amount of success, success down here uh, around the the um, northern east, northeast Victoria, and, and over this side of the border, the Southern Districts, New South Wales, and Graham Begg. Uh, I'm not quite sure how. Um, or, or who pointed him out to me because in those days obviously there wasn't um, Sky Channel and as much as you couldn't see the the races as regularly but someone had, had, had pointed him out to me so he flew me up to Sydney I'd only been riding probably about six or eight months and um, he, he mainly for to ride a mare called Ramouche who she was a really good mare and she was in a, a handicap and needed to, he needed to pull three kilos off her but he gave me another ride on the day too on a, on a mare called Beldine, and they actually both won. Um, so I went to my first uh, rides in Sydney at Rose Hill were uh, Ramush and Beldine, and they both won. But And so he was pretty keen to get me up to Sydney, but I had already uh, committed to the Freedmans in Melbourne uh, to go there for three months. So that... Um, so that 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 I I did done that, but I didn't have much luck there, and um, I was following in some pretty big, big footsteps. I think uh, their previous apprentice was Damien Oliver, so I had pretty big shoes to fill, and obviously their expectations were pretty high, and I didn't live up to them. So 
I went home back to Wodonga for a couple of months and then I moved to Sydney and up to Graham and um, and that was the best thing I'd, I'd done because Graham was a, a great boss. He gave me a, a hell of a lot of opportunity, uh, put me on, on most of his runners most of the time and um, yeah, then I was able to sort of have quite good success in Sydney and outride my claim and um, yeah, uh, build on that to, to, to what my career become. Yeah, it's funny. How flat were you after the the initial, I guess, pushback before you went to to Graham's? Yeah, like um, what, the the one thing about Melbourne was, even though I didn't ride a lot of winners and I didn't have a lot of support from Freedmans, but David Hayes gave me a lot of support. It was quite funny. They were they were the two biggest rivals, and for whatever reason, David supported me more than than the Freedmans did and um, so I rode quite a winners for, for David and when I went back to Wodonga he continued to, to bring me up to Melbourne and that I did have probably in the next three or four months I over a summer period I had a lot of success for him so I actually went to Sydney um, off, off a bit of success in Melbourne but um, riding out of Wodonga but mainly for the, for the hay stable. Mm, that's that is interesting. It's funny how one door shuts and another door opens. Yeah, it's it's an amazing industry, and 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 you're correct, one hundred percent correct, Dave. It's like you never, you you've got to be very resilient in this game, and and what you just said, if you get knocked back, you just got to get back on the horse, so to speak, and and keep keep going and and stay positive as much as you can. You obviously uh, really made a mark in Sydney, uh, and you learn a lot. What were some of the, the things you learnt coming from, uh, you know, the, the Riverina area, and then basing yourself in that Sydney area, and I guess having to grow up pretty quickly too. Yeah, most definitely. I, I always say to to many people, I was such so lucky, and I think the kids in the Riverina or Northeast Victoria have such a a an opportunity in that. Uh, when I was when I was good, one week I'd be riding that Wodonga or Wangaratta or Benalla or somewhere going uh, uh, left-handed, and then the next week I'd be at Aubrey or Wagga or Corowa or, or somewhere going um, uh, right-handed. So I had going both ways, and some of the tracks that I rode on, um, geez, they were there were there were some some wild tracks, and it made you it made you be a better rider it, it made you be a better horseman and because it's not it wasn't just when you get to, to sydney and melbourne and that it actually becomes a bit easier because you become you're riding against a, a lot uh sort of higher uh, quality of of rider and you're riding higher quality horses um and on on better tracks they have, they have big open flat tracks whereas you go to um, like a place I went on the weekend, Tumbarumba, where you have to yeah. think a bit, and you've got to you've got to ride the horse, you've got to ride, you've got to ride the track and ride the horse, and yeah, those old horsemen skills have got to come into play a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I was going to ask you about going back to Tumbarumba on on the weekend. You you rode there for one ride. Uh, it's a long way from Cranji. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it was a really great day, Dave, and. Um, you know, I, I came back to Wagga to be close to family, close to mum and dad and, and the girls and, and my brother and that, and and, um, and and just to get back into the country living, to, to get to the lifestyle. 
and um, uh, it was so great to go to Tumbarumba on Saturday and see all the local people from Tumbarumba support the meeting. And um, Dad, he rode there in 1971, yeah. and and um, to to come back to scale uh, and see. I, I was questioning who rode rode the horse, whether it was me or him, because the the guys from Tumbarumba that owned the horse, they had they were bloody patting him on the back and and had him hugging him, and um, so you see those things, and and that's they're the special things in life, and it's uh, like oh, I'd love to bloody get back to Ramwick one day and win a race there, but um, yeah, winning that race at Tumbarumba on Saturday, uh, you know, probably a lot of people will would would sort of laugh at you but um oh, it's a day i'll remember for a hell of a long time that's for sure yeah we're chatting this morning uh with uh, the great uh, danny beasley uh, danny um let's talk about the group one uh well group ones uh obviously you got that famous association uh with grand army but pole of success winning that golden slipper that was special wasn't it yeah most definitely dave because you you um when you once you get to sydney and uh start to uh, get to a level where I was starting to get to, that's you start to dream about winning those races, you know. Like when I was a kid, all I wanted to do, to do was win a Walker Cup. Uh, but once you start to realise that you can maybe get to a level where you might be, those other goals start to become achievable, that's what you really aim for. So the slip is the race that um, maybe not so every, now everyone wants to win the Everest, but in my day, um, you, you just wanted to win the slipper. And the year before, I was riding a great filly, probably the best two-year-old I rode was Victory Bain, and she just got beat. And I always thought I went a bit too early on her. I rode her too confident, and I just got beat on the line. So I was bloody devastated because I thought that would probably be my only chance of winning the slipper because you don't get many chances at it. Um, but then to come back the following year, and I got on policy success, uh, only a couple of runs before, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Riesling Slipper, and she won it. And uh, that was the that race. I thought, geez, I'm gonna get, have a pretty good shot at uh, getting another one, uh, getting a chance to win in this race. And um, yeah, she was uh, as it worked out. She had a perfect preparation. Graham trained her perfect, presented her there on the day in absolute uh, great order, and um, we drew a bit awkward, but. You couldn't have believed the run we got. We got across quick and um, ended up, uh, I think, um, a couple could come across and, and took the lead off her and she ended up just sitting in one out, one back in trotting terms and, yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, that's sensational. Um, did you have a moment when that, that happens? You know, when something like that happens in your life, when you, you're pretty much at the top of the mountain and... I guess I'll bring myself into a little bit here in terms of, to sort of explain a bit better, is that I never thought that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, Danny. Now, I grew up listening to, you know, Bensley and all these blokes and thinking, well, how yeah. good to, to dream of that. And so there, you know, you're this kid coming through. You then get the group one. And now what I've found is I've had to go, well, actually, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. And now I've got to go, what am I going to continue to achieve? Otherwise, you sort of have that self-doubt moment where you think, oh, well, Geez, what do I what do I do now? Because um, yeah. you're at that top of the mountain. So, what did you do as a young bloke? Was it was it a matter of winning more Group Ones, or was it it was that a catalyst for why you went to Singapore? Yeah, no, no, it wasn't a catalyst of why I went to Singapore. But 
Um, no, the the drive was. I, I was very fortunate. Like that week, I, I I won the Golden Slipper, and then the following weekend, I won the Doncaster on Grand Army, and that was my first ride on him. So that was it. Was you talked about like a, a a high point of your career? That was was certainly it. Um, and yeah, but it just makes you a bit more bit more hungrier and that. But it's funny, Dave. As you get older, you you find out. Um, you start to realise what things are important in your, in your life and whatever, and your career, all those wins are are, are great, and and you really and you really appreciate them and what they do do for your your lifestyle. But you know, at the end of the day, um, just waking up and and now and just trying to be a better person than you were yesterday. That's all I do now, and. Um, I look back at at um, what I was, how I was brought up, and how I sort of got through those points of my life when they were good, and then I had a couple of, of a rough rough patches. But if you wake up every day and just try and be a bit better than you were yesterday, I think you'll always be be pretty satisfied with where you're going in life. I think if we're not getting too far off track. <laughs> no, I think it's great, mate. I think it's great. And I think uh, anyone out there can can jump on if they run by that motto about waking up each day and just trying to be a better person than the day before. I think um, we're all going to live very bloody good lives. That Doncaster, that was the 19th of April, 2003. So what, yeah. 20 years ago? That was nearly, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, 51 and a half. I mean, that, was that difficult for you to get to 51 and a half or was that pretty easy back in the day? Yeah, no, I've always been like, um, like I walk around uh, about 53 kilos now and that's what I've always walked around about. So like when the limit weights were, most most weeks I think around that time the limit weight would have probably been about 52. So I probably used to ride that most, most days, most weekends and that. So yeah, just to go a little bit lighter wasn't probably too much of a hassle. But um, yeah, most most uh, most of my career in Sydney, I would always probably have to lose a kilo or a kilo and a half. But uh, yeah, not nowadays. I can um, yeah, I'm eating breakfast and lunch before I'm going to the races. <laughs> exactly. Um, you then just going back through Grand. I mean, geez, a, geez, a good horse, mate. You jump back on him, and you know, just some of the caliber of horses you were racing around. Um, you you know, you you miss in the rider, but you get beaten by a horse called Lonro. Private yeah, Steer right. and the Queen Elizabeth, um, you know, you uh, you ran second to Private Steer, uh, but that was obviously he carried 56 and a half and you drew a bit awkward that year. It was, you drew 16 and, of yeah. course, that Queen, Queen Elizabeth where you beat Lonrow and Pentastic, which was just, you know, that, that day won by six. Was that his best day at a racetrack, you think? You know, Dave, it's funny. Like, the, one of, it's probably, like, though, his win in the Doncaster was, was unbelievable. He smacked him in the Doncaster. He absolutely bolted in. And then when he beat Lonro in the Queen Elizabeth, like that was a phenomenal performance. We had a not a pretty uh, easy run the first half of the race, but there was he wasn't there to be be caught the last half mile. Um, but you know, with the race that I, that always sticks in my mind as probably his greatest effort was the BMW when Mackaybe Diva beat him. Yep, it was a mile and a half, which that was that was like two thousand was probably his real pet distance. But to go out to a mile and a half, and Shane Dye wrote a thing. It was a bloody hundred to one, and it come and drove him mad. Uh, took me on uh, like nearly a mile out, and 
really it really set up set the race up for Maccabi Lever, but he was still there at the furlong and she had about three or four lengths to, to pick him up, which she ended up doing, and she beat him quite comfortably. But I really still think to this day that was probably one of his best, if not his best performance, because he was really out of his uh, wheelhouse. And, um, yeah, geez, he really showed how brave and what a, a brilliant horse he was in defeat, unfortunately. But, yeah, he was, um, he was, a, he was the best I got to throw a leg over, that's for sure. Yeah, so he's the best horse you've ridden? I would say so, Dave, yeah. Just the record, like what you just said, some of the horses that he beat or, or yeah. raced against, like he was a pretty in a pretty uh, cool time, you know. Like there was, geez, there were some great horses and um, not taking away anything from the modern-day uh, horses, but the, you look at the weight for age fields, although last spring was, was pretty good. There was there was a bit of depth there, but so the years, to, years before... Um, yeah, there's, there probably wasn't like it, you'd line up in a um, in a Queen Elizabeth with um, like a, the second year he he won. I think it was a full field of fourteen or sixteen, and nearly all of them were Group One winners. There was um, yeah, there was a lot of depth there. So yeah, um, when he won the Doncaster, there was um, uh, Lonro was in that and at, uh, under handicapped conditions and. Yeah, you you watch the races back and you hear some of the names over. Yes, bloody good horses. Mm. We're chatting with Danny Beasley this morning on Monday's Experts. Danny, what about um, uh, before we touch on Singapore? A lot of people mightn't remember this, but you did go to Hong Kong for a bit, and you got your, uh, I guess, your name on the radar then too. Yeah, I done well. Hong Kong was funny. It came straight after I won the Doncaster on Grand Ami. Yep. And so it was the end of the season, and um, there was a jockey, a French jockey over there, Olivia Deleuze, and he got into a bit of trouble, and he got suspended for the rest of the season. So I went over there sort of for, it was just under three months, and um, going over there at that time of the year wasn't the easiest time. And uh, I, I rode a couple of winners, but I, I, I struggled for, I was, I was getting rides, but just on mostly lightweight things that were going around. And as I said, I rode a winner for Casper Founds and a winner for David Hill, um, another English guy. But um, uh, when I did get another uh, stint for the new season, but I decided not to take that up. I thought I'd stay um, stay, and um, I thought I hadn't achieved enough in, in Australia. I wanted to achieve more. So um, I was able to come back I actually didn't get on Grand Army for that spring. I think uh, Jimmy Cassidy rode him in a couple of races and in an Epsom, and he, he sort of didn't have a lot of luck on him. So then I got on him the next uh, autumn, and then that's when we sort of all took off and, um, yeah, had our luck together. You go to Singapore. You ride plenty of good horses in Singapore. Is Limbs... I mean, you had a great association with the, with the Limbs horses and, and obviously, um, you know, stables up there, but... Was Limbs Kosciuszko, was that pretty special for you? I mean, that was the 2022 Singapore Derby. Uh, you'd conquered a lot over there in Singapore. But obviously, as you said, you know, getting a little bit older, new kids on the block up there, opportunities aren't flying through. And then just to prove that, hey, I've still got this and uh, I can still win these big races, that must have been special. Yeah, well, it was, it was the last two years up there, Dave, was probably my best two years that I enjoyed the most. Because I was there since 2007, and I had a good run of it. Um, and uh, I rode a horse called War Affair. He was a bloody good horse, and um, he done a 
good thing. And then in 2015, they didn't relicense me. Um, and 2014 was probably the best season I had up there. I rode War Affair that year. He was champion three-year-old, and I rode another horse called Affleck, and he was champion two-year-old. And I had, I ran second on the premiership, and I'd rode, I think, 80 or something winners for the year, and then they didn't relicense me for no apparent reason. Um, so I came home when the the boss, uh, the chief steward up there was was Peter Chadwick, who was up in Brisbane there uh, last year for a while. And um, and he he advised me. A path said, Liz, "Listen, just go go back to um, Australia and do your best ride and see how you go, and and then apply for next year." So I done that, and I I came back, and I I pretty much I pretty much was pretty disappointed with how it had worked out because there was no sort of rhyme or reason why they didn't give me a license. So. Um, all, all I wanted to do when I come back here was ride to get back up there to prove a point sort of thing. So I, I came back here, rode, and done okay, and then got the license back in 2016. But when I went back in 2016, I was I was happy to be there, but I was a bit bitter on the place too because still I was a bit bitter on them that they didn't relicense me for that 2015. Yeah. So I rode for about 18 months, but I wasn't enjoying it. Um, and pretty much me last, I won a, won the Lion City on Limbs Cruiser, and there was a Group 1, and I just didn't get any buzz out of it, and I thought, geez, why am I, what am I doing? You know, I'm not, not enjoying this anymore. Maybe I need a different path. So um, Daniel Ma's brother, Chris, was up there being his assistant trainer, and he decided to go home to Australia. And I said to Daniel, you know what, I'm not enjoying the racing anymore. One thing, I still love the riding and working with the horses. I said, what about if I come and be your assistant? So a lot of people were pretty shocked at the decision, but it was more just a personal thing. I just wanted to probably spend a bit more time with my wife and kids, and and um, and and but just still be a part of the industry. So I done that uh, for the three or four years, and I was doing. I was very happy doing that. Um, but then when COVID hit and turn the world sort of upside down. Um, and then all everyone left Singapore, a lot of trainers left and a lot of jockeys left. There was no jockeys there. And we found ourselves every Monday morning, myself and Daniel sitting down trying to get a jockey. And I was still riding track work and I was still light. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, I said, Daniel, you know what? I should ask if I could get a license back. So that's what i done. I went and... Um, <coughs> uh, asked the officials if I could get a license back and thankfully they gave me one back and then so <clears throat> excuse me the next two years how that um, turned out was quite amazing because uh, suddenly I've gone from at the start of uh, 2021 as an assistant trainer to the month of February back riding in races and then we had a little bit of luck uh, rode a few winners and then Limbs Lightning came along uh, who was always also um, he did get he got banished to Australia and was unsuccessful, but he came back up and we got him going and we realised that we had him going pretty good. So um, then we all of a sudden we had a stable full of uh, just average horses, and next minute we've got a horse limbs lightning that we said, geez, we might be able to win a few cups with this horse. 
And so then what Daniel was able to do with him and what we'd done with him um, that next year of 2021, we, we won the Lion City, which is the premier sprint, the Group 1 sprint there, in about June or July. And then we ended up taking him right through and he won the raffles and then he ultimately won the uh, the Gold Cup, Singapore Gold Cup, which was my first Gold Cup and obviously Daniel's first Gold Cup and um, uh, the first time a horse has ever won a Lion City uh, and Gold Cup in the one year. So he wrote the re- rec- wrote the records book and while he was coming along, we we a little horse by the name of Lims Kosciuszko, who you've already mentioned, uh, came into the stable and he was just a trial winner in New Zealand. And the special thing about him and what made the derby so special was was that we made him, we, we took him from a maiden right through to a derby. And the derby, he, he wasn't, a, he's a 1,200 metre, 1,400 metre horse at the most, but we took him out to the derby 1,800 and we were able to, to win that race with him, which was, uh, yeah, it was my first derby I'd on in any country and um, to win it with Mr Lim, um, who's been my biggest supporter up there and, and Daniel, who's been my best mate up there for years and years. And I knew I was coming back, so I knew this was that was going to be my only chance to win the Singapore Derby. So it was, um, yeah, that, that's what made it really, really special. Sensational. Uh, Danny Beasley on the phone to us this morning on Monday's Experts. Danny, we could talk for hours and hours. What about what you want to achieve uh, in your this next chapter of your career now you're back in Australia? Is it, you know, you mentioned before you'd love to get back to Ramwick and up into the city uh, to be riding some winners. And, I mean, now with the way country racing is going in New South Wales, those opportunities mightn't be too far away. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward. Like, country racing, I've watched from afar the last few years and just... Um, I've just loved that concept of what the country championships and the Kosciuszko has bring, bring to the New South Wales racing. And, like, um, what um, Peter Villandes has done um, for racing New South Wales, it's just just unbelievable. And, like, I, I think when I left Australia, the, the Wagga Cup was worth 100000 Now you can race, country horses can race in town every weekend for 130 or 150 so it's just amazing to see and um yeah no it's it's i'm really looking forward uh in the near future i'm I'll book to ride participator in the heat of the country championships at aubrey and um he's going really well so i'm looking forward to hopefully being able to get him to qualify for the final and um yeah that would be that's probably a, initially the first uh Thing that we would um, uh, goal would be love to get him into that race and yeah be a part of um, yeah the country championship final at, at Ramwick on the big day. Danny, uh, if you could uh, have a conversation with a eighteen-year-old Danny Beasley right now, what would you say to him? Mate, just work hard and um, just keep turning up and presenting yourself uh, there because the game is such an amazing game. And as an 18-year-old kid from Wagga, all I was, as I said, all I wanted to do was um, win a Wagga Cup, and that was my biggest dream. But what the industry and what the life of a jockey, where it can take you, um, is unbelievable. The, there's no limits. 
um, to it. It's such an amazing industry. And um, don't stop dreaming and don't stop working and believing in yourself. And uh, as we said before, if you wake up every day and try and be a little bit better than you were yesterday, um, the opportunities and the goals are limitless. I think that's a beautiful way to end it, mate. Can't wait to see him back up here in, in town riding some of these horses and also when we get down to Wagga for the Cup, mate, who knows what's in store for you these next yeah. couple of months. Good on you, Dave. It's a, a pleasure and uh, really thank you for the, for the for taking the time to put me on. The Champion, show. mate. Thank you very much, mate. Danny Beasley, our guest today on Monday's Experts on this 30th of January. And, of course, if you've just tuned in late and you want to go back and have a listen to it, you can hear that on the podcast, uh, which will be up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts shortly and also available on the Sky Racing website. We'll take a break. Back soon.